You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit harvestyorkregion.ca. All right, let's get our Bibles out and turn to Isaiah chapter 7 again. Isaiah chapter 7, as we conclude our series, um, God with us, and today the uh, message title is The Meeting. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel. In a quick review, remember, as we've been going through this verse, kind of word by word and phrase by phrase, we started with the word therefore and asked, what was it therefore? Specifically, as Isaiah was writing, it was therefore because of Ahaz and uh, what was going on and his disobedience and his rejection of God and, and the opportunity to turn to God and ask for a solution and ultimately the rejection of the whole nation. But we know that what Isaiah was writing in Isaiah 7:14 had a far broader application to that because according to Matthew chapter 1 it was pointing towards the Lord Jesus Christ and he was the fulfillment of therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign behold the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you will call his name Emmanuel the therefore was there because of the mess in that day but more specifically, the mess that man has created because of his sinfulness and his separation from God. Therefore, therefore, the message, the message was that the Lord himself, the Lord himself was going to step in and uh, he was going to give you a sign. It was a gift. It was a sign. It was coming from God himself. Uh, man couldn't solve the problem. We can have all the devices we want. We can try and get to God. We can work hard at it and all those things, but it's not going to solve. And the Lord himself had to deal with this. The Lord himself will give you a sign. And then there was that moment, the virgin shall conceive. When God does a miraculous work uh, through Mary and Jesus Christ is born, the sin nature not passed on to him, miraculously protected by the working of God, the virgin shall conceive. Then we saw the Messiah and bear a son. So bear a son. You will call his name Jesus. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And today we want to take a look at the meeting. Emmanuel, God, God with us. There's a meeting that happens where God comes and he, in the form of his son, and he is in the earth and he's here for us. There's a meeting that goes on. God is with us. Not just from the cradle to the grave for Jesus Christ, but from eternity to eternity, God, God is with us. Well, you got your Bibles open now. Let's honor God as we read his word by standing. And so I want to invite you to stand. I'm going to start to read at verse 7 uh, through to the end of verse 14. Thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand and it shall not come to pass for the head of Syria is Damascus and the head of Damascus is resin. And within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria and the head of Samaria is the son of Ramaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel. Let's pray. Father, what an amazing hope we have because of that term, Emmanuel. God is with us. Lord, we were a son so undeserving, men 
without hope, and you gave your son. So as we consider that name today, as we consider some of the ramifications of what that would mean to us, Father, would you uh, turn our hearts toward you? We've had a busy week. There's been lots going on and so much of it really good things. And now, Lord, we have a few moments to still our hearts before you and hear your word. Give us ears to hear it, minds to understand it. But then, Lord, would you change, take our word, your word and change us, change us for your glory that we would passionately live out for the fame of the name of G our Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Well, the meeting, that's what we want to look at today, the meeting, Emmanuel, God with us. Mary and Joseph had seen it. They had gone through all that they had gone through with the, the dreams and the uh, presentations from the angel. And, and, uh, and then that first morning, uh, Mary's holding this little baby, um, God with us. And, um, and then the shepherds, they show up at some point and they come and and they see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, although they didn't understand all that at that point. But, um, and, and they worshiped him because he is God with us. And later on, the uh, wise men, they travel hundreds of miles. They travel, they come much later, but they come and they present their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And, and they worship God with us because Jesus is here. And Jesus Christ is now presented to the world, presented to all of us. And we reject him. God with us is rejected by mankind. The answer to the sin problem is rejected by mankind. But it doesn't change the fact that he is God, he is God with us. It says in Isaiah, in Isaiah 7, 14, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. So, so what's in a name anyways? What's in a name? Um, I know what my name means. You might know what your name means. We tend to make a bit of a deal out of it when uh, we have a baby dedications and what was the baby's name and why did you give the baby the name? Because names are important. And uh, we, as a matter of fact, when we talked about the Lord himself, we talked about some of the names of God. We talked about uh, Yahweh, Jehovah. We talked about El. And we talked about Adonai, which is the word that's used in uh, Isaiah. We talked, names are important. And uh, the names of Jesus Christ are important as well. I don't know anywhere in Scripture where anybody actually called Jesus Emmanuel. I don't think anybody ever walked up to him necessarily and said that. And some wonder whether that's even still prophetic about something that will still come. I, I can't help but imagine, imagination, but imagine that Mary, as she's cradling her son after hearing uh, what was said to Joseph and didn't look down at that little baby and say, God with us, um, but there are over 200 different titles or names for Jesus in the Bible. I want to go through each of them today. No, I don't. Some 200 different titles or names for Jesus Christ. This is one of them, and it's a very significant one, but I want to review a few of them for you so we don't lose sight of who this is that we're talking about. We talked about Emmanuel, God with us, um, who are we talking about? And, and what were some of the ways that he was described or the names or titles that were given to him? Uh, here's one. Uh, he was called the chief cornerstone in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20. He's the chief cornerstone of the building, which is his church. Jesus Christ is the building block on which the church is built. He's the chief cornerstone. 
Colossians 1.15 calls him the first over all creation. Not the first thing that God created because Jesus Christ is God. It means that Christ occupies the rank and preeminence of the firstborn of all time. All of the privilege, all of the right, all of that belongs to him because he is the firstborn over all creation. Ephesians 1.22 and 5.23 says he's the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. That's what he's called. It's a title. Um, I am not the head of this church. You can be thankful for that. The elders are not the head of this church. The Pope is not the head of any church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And that's what he's called. Emmanuel, God with us, Christ is the head of the church. He's called the Holy One in Acts 3, 14. In Revelation 19 and verse 16, he's called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's not just the King, he's the King of all kings. He's not just over the Lord, he's the Lord of all the Lords. That speaks of his sovereignty and his power and his authority and his dominion. In John 8, 12, he's called the light of the world. The world was darkened by sin and Christ was the one who broke through and is the light He's called the Prince of Peace. He's called the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9, 6. Jesus came not to bring peace to a world as in the absence of war, but Jesus came to bring peace between God and man who were separated by sin. He's the Prince of Peace. He's called the Son of God. He's called the Son of Man. He's, in John 1, 1, he's called the Word. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. And, and, and creation came into place because Jesus Christ spoke. He's called the Word. In Revelation 1.8, he's called the Alpha and Omega. In John 8.58, he calls himself the I Am. And we studied that when we looked at the names of Christ, the I Am's in the uh, book of John, remember? And, and that was the one that was very troubling for them because he was claiming to be God. He was claiming, that's what... Remember when Moses asked the question? Remember when we studied this? When Moses asked the question, who should I say sent me? And God said to him, you tell them that I am sent you. And Jesus says, that's who I am. I am. I am. I am the true God, he's called. He's called the bread of life in John 6, 35. He's the one who sustains us in everything that we need. He's called the good shepherd who's willing to risk his life to protect the sheep. He's called the lamb of God, the spotless sacrifice, the spotless unblemished lamb who takes away the sin of the world. He's called the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Everyone else just dies. Jesus Christ was died, died. He was buried. He rose again. He is the resurrection and he is the source of our life. He's called the Savior in Matthew 1, 21 because he saves his people. He's called Jesus, which was the name that everybody called him, which means Jehovah is salvation. And then in this verse, he's called Emmanuel, which means God with us which means God with us. Well, let's take a look at two things about that word, Emmanuel, God with us. Here's the first thing I want us to notice about it is that means, it means that God is near. God is with us. God is not out there in some distant sense and we can't reach him. No, 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 no. Emmanuel means God is near. God is with us. He is near. 
In Psalm 73, 28, it says, but for me, it's good to be near God. I made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all of your works. In Psalm 16, 8, it says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Does God feel close like that to you right now? In Psalm 119, 151, but you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are true. In Psalm 145, 18, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Isaiah 50, verse 8, he who vindicates me is near. Jeremiah 23, 23, am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? I am close. Hebrews 10, 22 says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And one of the most famous verses about this, James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Emmanuel, God with us, God is near. God is near, he is with us. So is that how you feel? Do you feel like God is near today? Are you kind of in that sweet spot? Somebody after church, the last service came up and said, I'm so thankful for your message and all that nice stuff. And they said, that, that's where I am right now. I'm just in a great spot and here's what's happening. It was a great testimony. But that's not the testimony of everyone who's in the room. Some of you as followers of Jesus Christ don't feel like God's very near to you today. And so I'd ask you this question. Who moved? Who moved? I will never leave you nor forsake you is God's promise. Draw near to me, I will draw near to you is God's promise. If God feels like he's a long way away, even in this Christmas series, ask yourself the question, who moved? What happened? What happened? Has sin crept into your life and you're no longer wanting to be close to God because even the thought of being close to God brings so much conviction, you're just pushing God away. You want to be near to God? Repent. Confess your sin and be near to God. But maybe it's not sin in that sense. Maybe something very hard has happened in your life. There's some people this year who have lost loved ones and that can be a difficult time and you can ask questions and God can feel like he's a long way away sometimes, but he didn't move. And are you drawing near to God? Maybe the circumstances of your life are just hard right now and you found yourself so busy in so many other things and you're trying to make ends meet and, and you're out there working two jobs and you're doing too many things and you're not spending the time with God and he feels like he's a long way away today. Who moved? We need to be faithful to be with him in the word. We need to be faithful to be with him in prayer. We need to be faithful to be with him through fellowship with believers together. Because the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you will call his name. God is near. He is with you. Who moved? And maybe that was the price of admission for coming to church today for you just to right before God, right now going, man, I got that thing so messed up, Lord. 
I remember when it was so sweet and it's not like that right now. And God, I want that back because you are who you say you are. You did what you said you would do, God. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. God with us, he is, he is near. I read this sentence this week. At first, I didn't like it because I'm so self-centered sometimes. Sentence went like this. Um, you belong to Jesus. He can use you without consultation. God is near. You belong to Jesus. He doesn't ask for your permission to use you. But rather, we come in submission to him, seeking what God would have for us and how we fit into that plan and how God can use it for his glory. Why? Because he's near and he only has what's going to be best for us, what's going to bring him glory, what's going to be for his kingdom. That's what God desires. You will call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. He was with them through all of the Old Testament history. We see God never leaving them nor forsaking them. Can you imagine if any of us were God and trying to deal with his people? We had to pack those people in and ship them off like so long ago. But he didn't. And through history and through the prophecies, we see God's faithfulness and his goodness and his never giving up on the people. God is near, and he never gives up on me. He was near in his coming to earth, Emmanuel, God with us in his birth. He was near as he lived among us in his life, being an example and a demonstration of holiness and godliness. And he was with us and near to us in his death when he paid a price for me that I couldn't pay. When he took my sin on himself, God was near he was near us in the resurrection when he accomplished what he said he would do and by defeating death he proved he was who he said he was and he did what he said he would do. And now he is with us in the sitting on the right hand of God and he left for us the Holy Spirit of God so that we are not alone because God is with us. God is with us and he's preparing a place for us. I go to prepare a place for you. We look forward to what God has for us, not only in the days we have now, but when we go and be with him. God is awesome. He is near. He is near. Uh, six words that I uh, came upon this week as I was studying through this. Some of, some of the guys were talking about this, and here's one of them about God and his nearness. God is near in his selection. Um, God is precise on how and whom he makes his presence among men and we're dead in our trespasses and sins and God reveals himself to us. In his selection, he's close to us in association. He fellowships with us, his creation. And as his children, he loves it. When we're in relationship with him and we're crying out and He's with us in association and yet in consecration because he's still holy. He is still God. He is still separate in that sense, but loves it when we come. God is with us in the way he imparts himself to us. He reveals himself and he grants us the ability to be with him and to be like him. 
He's with us in demonstration and the example of all that he did for us and he came. He didn't, God just didn't from heaven go, you will be like this. And be. He sent his son so that we could see. He could be an example for us and we'll see that in a couple of minutes. But he did that as an example in his demonstration for us. And then uh, the word that I really love in this, he's with us in, in our reconciliation. I could have put restoration or redemption there, all of those words, the, the fact that we needed to be bought back and God redeemed us, the, the fact that uh, the relationship was so broken that we were dead and he restored us or that he reconciled us to himself. And why? Because God came near in Jesus Christ. That's our hope, people. God came near. God came near. So that's the first thing. The second thing I saw was that, that God in coming near became the servant of the servants. God became the servant of the servants. Did you know that sometimes some of you are difficult to serve? If you don't know that, just ask the person beside you who you live with and they will tell you that you can be a royal pain in the neck. Sometimes we're hard to serve. And sometimes we don't want to serve each other. But that's just like us on this level, right? Think about God. We are the servants. And Jesus Christ came, Emmanuel, God, with us to serve the servants. That's an amazing thought when you really let that flow and when you consider what uh, that really means. I, I was wrestling with a verse for that and my good friend George Shenuda came through for me this week. And uh, thank you, George. You didn't even know you did it, but you did because I follow you on Facebook. And uh, once I said Facebook is of the devil, I know, but not when George puts Bible verses up, okay? And uh, here's the verse he put up this week, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. God with us. Emmanuel. God with us. Let me reread that verse. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. Jesus Christ gave up all that there was in heaven. Not being God, but all that heaven had and he came and he became poor. He became a servant to the servants so that by grace we could be saved. And I think probably most of the people in the room have come to the place of understanding the reality of what Christ did and why he came and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But some in the room haven't. Some in the room are still on the I'm still trying to get to God plan. And I'm going to figure it out through my own spirituality or I'm going to figure it out through another religion or I'm going to figure it out. But here's what I know. It can't be as simple as God gave a gift. Hey, that's as simple as it is. And that's the only way we can be saved because we can't earn it and we don't deserve it. God did this amazing thing when he became a servant to the servants so you and I could have eternal life and all we have to do is accept the gift and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and we're saved. 
no jumping through hoops, no magical thing you have to do, no number of hours you have to put in. Simple faith, believing in Jesus Christ. And when that takes hold of your life, it changes you. It changes you. Christ became a servant to the servants by dwelling amongst humanity as a man. He became a servant to the servants by obeying and doing God's will. John 4, 34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus became a servant to the servants. We see him ministering to his disciples in John 13 when any one of them should have been washing his feet. None of them were being servants even to each other. And Jesus... God himself gets down on his knees and he washes their feet. Shame on me in my arrogance sometimes. Shame on you in your arrogance sometime when we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to take a look and remember the picture of Jesus on his knees washing feet Because he was God with us. He was Emmanuel. Serving the servants by dying on a cross. Matthew 26 is a picture of that. But then we see the exaltation of Jesus Christ as well as the servant in, in uh, John 17, 4. As he completes the task that God has called him to. I, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And... And Jesus Christ is exalted by God and ultimately will be exalted by all of us in this room. Every single one and every single person on the face of the earth being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. That's everybody. Nobody is excluded from this. So people who are on their own little spiritual plan and think they're going to get to God, well, the Bible says you're going to bend your knee and you're going to say Jesus Christ is Lord. The person who's rejected Christ, I'm going to do it my way, I don't care what anybody says, I'm on my plan, you're going to bend your knee one day and you're going to say Jesus Christ is Lord in both of those groups and the Lord will say, I'm sorry, I don't know you. And you'll be separated from God for eternity in a place that's called hell. Consider God with us. Emmanuel. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And you'll be like the rest of us in the room who when we stand before God, we will fall on our faces. And we will cry out that you are Lord because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us and what he has accomplished and we will spend eternity with him. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. 
The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. Well, so what? Here's the so what. It's on the screen. The so what is for the fame of the name. For the fame of the name. What we do as a result of the understanding of who God is and what he has done for us, we need to live out for the fame of his name. I said that on purpose in my opening prayer at the beginning of this message. I actually said it in the offering prayer, hadn't planned to say it. I'm going to say it at the end. I say it a lot, actually. Uh, sometimes I get teased by the staff because I say it for the fame of the name, for the fame of the name. And, and guess what? You can't just become blah, 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 right? Just say it, just say it, just say it. But isn't that what we're going for? Isn't that what we're seeking to live for now? As a church, we're seeking to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission in the spirit of the Great Commandment. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Isn't, isn't the glory of God what we're going for? It should be. It ought to be. It must be. As we live out, as our lives are changed, it becomes less and less about me and what I want and more and more about him and his glory and living out for his glory. We're supposed to be like Jesus more and more. Being like Jesus doesn't mean living like a king. It means living like a servant. And we do it for his glory. We do it for the fame of his name. In 1 John 2, 6, it says, Whoever says he abides in me ought to walk in the same way in which, which he walked. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And then there's the other John 3.16, 1 John 3.16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. For the fame of the name. Emmanuel, God came to be with us and now we live for the fame of the name. Starting next week, we're gonna be uh, looking at the book of Philippians through till Easter basically. And uh, so a little head start for you. You can read it over and over. Take you about 20 minutes to read the book. And the, uh, the series is called In Between. In Between. And the key verse of that series is Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And we're in that in between time right now. We're in between. I, 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 I've trusted Christ as my savior. Um, I'm growing in the Lord. I'm not what I used to be. I'm sure not what I should be, and I'm not yet what I will be. I'm in between. And Philippians is a great book about a lot of the in-between stuff that goes on in our lives, and we're going to take a look at that. And, but all of it in the end is so that we would be people of God who are living for his glory. We're living for the fame of his name. 
So what does that look like in your life, in your home right now? Are you living for the fame of the name of the Savior who came to be with us? What does that look like in your workplace? I realize you're in a workplace. Not like I, can, I can say Jesus whenever I want in my workplace. I can say Merry Christmas and it's not a problem in my workplace. I get it. My workplace is not like your workplace. But what are you doing to live in your workplace for the fame of the name? What does that look like with your neighbor and your friends? We're in between. We're not yet where we're going to be. We're sure not what we were. But for me to live is Christ because he came and he became God with us. We do that obviously through, through surrender in our salvation. And as I already said in the service, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, he came so you could have life, you could have it abundantly. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. We live out of the awesomeness of his coming as we are being sanctified every day, growing up, being changed in his word, by his word, through confession, in repentance, all of that growing up. so that we'd be people of God living for the fame of the name. Emmanuel, God with us. Every moment of every day, never leaving, never forsaking, because he is who he said he was. He did what he said he would do. It's the hope of the believer in Jesus Christ. Therefore, Therefore, the therefore is there because we created a mess. God himself solved the problem in Jesus Christ through the virgin birth. And she will bear a son and you will call his name Emmanuel because he will live with you and in you in Christ. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. That is the hope of the believer in Jesus Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for this amazing verse from Isaiah. Lord, when Isaiah wrote it and the people heard it, they could not possibly have understood the consequences and the results and the change that would come because the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world would be God with us. Lord, for the person in the room today who's never trusted you, never simply put their faith in Jesus Christ for their hope and their salvation, God, I pray that you would show them. You would show them the blindness of their way, their death and lack, loss of hope that can be solved in believing in Jesus Christ the Lord. And then for us, Lord, God with us. You're God with us. As we're out this afternoon, you're God with us in the workplace. You're God with us. You're the God who will never leave us nor forsake us. And when you seem a long way away, remind us, God, that you don't move and we have, but you're just a prayer away, opening your word, being obedient to what you call us to. We're in awe, God, because um, you are close. You are near. And so, Lord, give us passionate hearts to live out that reality for your fame for the fame of the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. We pray these things, amen.